You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Next Sunday, we're going to launch a a new sermon series, and it's called The Voice. And we're not going to have a singing contest. No, no, no. We're going to talk about how can we listen and be attentive to the voice of God. How many of you want want that in your life? Amen. Next Sunday, we're going to start a four-part sermon series called The Voice. But for right now, we're going to close out this sermon series that we started the new year called It's What We Do. What have we been talking about? Well, a lot of people in this world say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and they know how to talk the talk, but not everybody walks the walk, if you know what I'm talking about. So what do we do? What is, what is the fruit of what we do as Christians? We've been talking about different things. Today, we're going to use a theme, we love unconditionally. And because I've chosen this topic because this coming Wednesday is what? Valentine's Day, is that right? So if you, if you men did not realize that this Wednesday is Valentine's Day, uh, please make sure you go to HEB or somewhere, get something, okay, or else you will be in, in trouble, right, and make this be some, you know, don't be like the guy who, who ran up to, he, he went up to his buddy, and, he's, and he saw the, the wedding ring on his buddy on, on the wrong finger, and he says, hey, do you realize you have your wedding ring on the wrong finger. And he says, yeah, it's because I married the wrong woman. Huh? Don't be like that guy, okay? Please, please don't be like that guy, okay? <laughs> All right. But today we're not talking about a romantic kind of love. We're going to talk about a godly kind of love that we can have towards other people. That's what Jesus speaks about in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says this, a new command I give you Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Verse 35, what does it say? By this, you will know my, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you go to church. Is that what it says? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you smile, no, don't say, although smiling is good, okay. But, uh, you know, sometimes we, we get things all mixed up. But Jesus said this, if you love one another. Everybody ready to love one another, amen? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to be here today. As we talk about loving unconditionally, we pray that, we would, uh, that this message would resonate in our minds as well as in our hearts and let it flow forth in our actions as well. So you be the glory and praise. Lord God, we thank you that your presence is here in a mighty way. As we come together, may your word come alive to us. Thank you for the privilege we have, Lord, just to even be hearers of the word. But Lord, even a greater privilege to be doers of the word. Amen. You may be seated. As we start today, I'm going to ask you, let me, let me pick your brains to see how much advertising you kind of see. And maybe perhaps uh, uh, certain things will come to your mind about a certain slogan that certain individuals or rather certain companies have. And, and maybe, maybe this will help you out. Okay, 
Let's look at the first one. That, KFC. Uh, anybody knows about their slogan? It's finger licking. See, I mean, you know, you know that, huh? Some of you are already getting hungry. Maybe I shouldn't have put that up there, okay? You know, you know what they're about when you see the slogan, right? Finger licking good. How about another one? Let's see, let's see how smart they are. Anybody? Just, see, you guys got it. Just do it. See, all you got to do is see that logo, and you, that's the Nike. Just do it. And, and that's what they are about. Okay, let's take a look at another one. Burger King. Have it your way. Anybody heard of that? Have it your way. Now, let me just tell you this. It's great for a burger company. It's terrible if that's your slogan as a Christian, okay? Because, no, no, no. I mean, it should be God's way, okay? You don't do life your way, okay? Your hamburger, you can do your way, okay? Is that a deal? But, um, but you know, your spiritual life, let's do it God's way. Okay, let's take a look at another one. How about this one? Don't leave home without it. Huh? How many of you have heard that commercial for a few years, okay? American Express. Well, I kind of think uh, that's, that's what I talk about when, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Don't leave home without the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, how about one more? Let's see one more. Nationwide is what? <laughs> okay, you guys, you've seen that commercial, right? You see the slogan, you see that, and it kind of reminds you of what they're about. Okay, actually, I want to give you one more, and you tell me what this entity is about. Fortress Church, you got it, loving God and loving people. And today I want to talk about what God has called Fortress Church to do because this is who we are, loving God and loving people. Why do we have that mantra here at Fortress Church? Well, uh, because Jesus was encountered. We read about it in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. Jesus was encountered by a teacher of the law. And he says, Jesus, out of all, out of all the commandments of the law, which is the most important? You can read about it. We're not going to read it up right now. But he says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So pretty much Jesus said those are the two most important things in life, love God and love people. So I figured if, it's, if this is most important to Jesus, it should be most important to you and I, loving God and loving people. So this is what we are all about. And this message today flows hand in hand with uh, our theme as a body of Christ, loving God, loving people. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to love people today, to love unconditionally. And if you have your Bibles, I want to take a look at a story found in Mark chapter 2 about how four men came together to love on their buddy. Their buddy was a paralyzed man and, of course, couldn't walk, and he needed physical healing. So the good news is this paralyzed man had four friends who loved on him. They loved him so much that they went to extreme measures to bring him to Jesus. Let's read about it. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, or rather since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What a great miracle. What a great miracle we see in Mark chapter 1. But as you can tell, This paralyzed man needed healing. 
And he had four friends who loved him so much that they went to extreme measures to get him to Jesus so that he could be healed. So let's think about that over the next few minutes. Now, I'm grateful that we're all different. You know, life would be boring if everybody was like me or like you, okay? But we're different. We look different. We think different. Uh, we, there's so many different characteristic traits. And this is what makes up the beautiful body of Christ. So I want to take a look at these four men that we read about that carried their buddy and loved him enough to bring him to Jesus. I want to take a look at these four men and kind of identify four different characteristics of how you and I can love on people, much like these four men loved on their paralytic friend. Man number one, I'm going to say this, he loved others by focusing on the needs of others. He loved others by focusing on needs of others. You see, the reason why this is so important when we talk about loving other people is because oftentimes the first thing we see in people is their faults, okay? Sometimes we look at somebody or we interact with somebody and, and we, we, do, we notice their faults. And for some people, uh, it, it's kind of big, it's kind of uh, glaring while well, we see this particular fault in this particular individual, and it, it's kind of dominating uh, you know, my relationship with that person. And then other times, people will put certain conditions on their love for you. Well, I'll love you if you do something for me, right? I'll love you if you treat me right. I'll love you if you drive a certain car or wear certain clothes or do certain things. Or, you know, and sometimes we put conditions on our love for people. Well, God doesn't have conditional love for you. He loves you just the way you are. Do I hear an amen? God doesn't look at you and see first your faults. No, he sees your needs. He sees potential in you. God looks at you and has an unconditional love for you. He loves you despite your faults and everything else. Despite your insecurity, he loves you despite your past. Amen? God loves you despite all of that. That's called an unconditional love. And that's the kind of love we need to have for other people. And I kind of believe when we look at other people, we need to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Now, we may say, I I don't like the way you dress. I don't like the way you talk. You know, but I'm still going to love you. Amen. We may not like the political party they affiliate with, but we got to love them anyway, right? We may not like the fact that they are a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, but we love them anyway, right? That's called unconditional love, right? So just for a moment, I want you to think about a hard-to-love person in your life, or maybe you have hard-to-love people in your life. Now, don't raise your hand because some of you have a certain individual in your mind. I call them the hard-to-love people. Now, All of us have them, or maybe in the past we've had some hard-to-love people in our lives. So how do you deal with the hard-to-love people? Oh, perhaps it's that co-worker who gets on your nerves. Or maybe it's the person who is constantly saying things behind your back. Or maybe it's that person who's just plain rude to you. Hard-to-love people. Reminds me of a story of a woman who was in a doctor's office, and unfortunately she was... um, she was bitten by a dog with rabies, and it got to her so bad that the doctor said, I hate to give you some bad news, but um, you only have a few more weeks to live. We can't do anything about it. You better get your affairs in order because you soon uh, will be uh, coming, your life will be coming to a close. Well, she pulled out a big legal pad and started writing 
names and names, just names of people, names. Of, and the doctor says, wow, you, and a few minutes later, she had a long list of names. And the doctor says, well, it looks like you got to say goodbye to a lot of people. She says, no, no, these are the list of people that I'm going to bite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe she had a lot of hard-to-love people in her life, okay? Uh, that, that's, that's not the way we're called to love or respond to the hard-to-love people. One day, Sally walked into a class to find a large target placed on the wall with several darts resting on a table nearby. Professor Smith told the students to draw a picture of someone they disliked or someone who made them angry. In other words, he says, draw a picture of your hard-to-love person. Okay, Draw a picture, and then when you're done, come and put it on, on the wall here. So one by one, people were drawing their pictures of people that were hard to love, and they put it on the wall. And uh, one, one girl uh, drew a picture of her, uh, another girl who had stolen her boyfriend. Another friend drew a picture of, of his younger brother. Sally drew a picture of Professor Smith. Mm. I don't know whether that was a, a good idea or not, but she drew it. And, uh, and so the, they put the pictures on the wall, and one by one, the students began to throw their darts throw their darts at that, those pictures of the hard-to-love people and people who had treated them wrong and, and were ugly to them. And, uh, and as, as soon as it was Sally's turn to get up with the darts, Professor Smith said, okay, everybody sit down. It's time to uh, uh, we'll go on from, from, uh, with our class. And so she was upset because she didn't get a chance to throw her darts at the picture she made of Professor Smith. Well, <clears throat> underneath... All the targets of all those pictures, as the Professor Smith started taking them down, a hush fell over the room because as he was taking them down, what actually was behind all those pictures was a picture of Jesus. And he, as they took them down, the students noticed that when they threw darts at that person who was hard to love, it penetrated and it even affected the picture of Jesus. And soon afterwards, the picture of Jesus was marred and torn, and it looked pretty ugly. The students just didn't know that behind those pictures of the hard-to-love people was a picture of Jesus. Professor Smith said, as he quoted from Matthew 25, 40, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. When you're mean to other people, it's like you're mean to Jesus. And um, the students learned a big lesson that day. So how is it? How do we respond to someone who is hard to love? Well, we just are to respond with love. I remember one guy a number of years ago, he was just being mean to me. I mean, and I honestly didn't know why. He would just say things, he would do things, and just, just he was like, uh, you know, he wanted to be the devil's advocate to me. And, and yeah, that's, that's what he was doing. So uh, I just prayed about it, and the Lord just impressed upon me. This was years ago. I said, the Lord just said, just love him, just love him. Don't respond. He's waiting for you to respond. He's waiting for you to retaliate. He loves that, that, that banter back and forth. He wants, you to, to, he wants to anger you. But I responded in love. And guess what happened? He just, he, he literally shut up. He stopped saying things against me. He stopped doing things against me. Because all he was getting back from me was love. Hey, I love you in the love of the Lord. I spoke life. I spoke blessings to him. And after that, we had, there was no more problems because I responded in love to this individual. And, uh, you know, love can change so much. 
And um, love can change relationships if we just respond in the right way. But one of the things I've learned over the years is that when people oftentimes are mean to me or ugly to me, it's oftentimes because they are hurting. Perhaps you've heard this phrase that I believe is true, hurting people hurt people. And oftentimes when someone is ugly to you and says all these things, it's because they have some sort of hurt going on in their life. So ever since then, I've realized when somebody is negative toward me, when somebody is mean to me, uh, maybe I can pray for them because probably, probably they're dealing with some sort of major hurt in their life and they're just taking it out on me. You know, and in my case, since I'm a pastor, there's some people who are mad at God, so they take it out on me because I represent, I'm a pastor, they re- I kind of represent God. And that happens many times. But unfortunately, uh, people don't realize that. So I start praying for people who are negative to me. I love on them. And I lift them up in prayer. Lord, would you minister to this person? I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what kind of hurt they're dealing with, but Lord, could you minister to this person? And I kind of believe that we can... We can minister and reach out to to those hard-to-love people. Last week, we talked about uh, witnessing joyfully. We talked about, we used the picture of a court of law. Maybe you remember that, where in a court of law, you uh, you have witnesses, you have a prosecuting attorney, you have a judge, sometimes you have a jury. And, and the, the scripture says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. So what are we called to be witnesses? Are we called to be a judge? No, we're not. Are we called to be a prosecuting attorney? No, we're not. We're called to be witnesses. And likewise, we bring that into today's message because when it comes to people who are rude to you, who are ugly to you, are we called to judge them? No, we're called to love them, okay? Let God be the judge. Let's, uh, let us be the ones you love. Here's a to-another-level lesson. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. Do I hear an amen to that? Man number two. We're talking about different perspectives about how we can love people and bring them to Jesus. Uh, man number two, I'm going to say this. He loved others by being intentional. By being intentional. First John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. In other words, it's easy to talk the talk. That's what it says in 1 John 3.18. It's not quite so easy to walk the walk. Let's show our love with actions and in truth. So I'm going to say, I'm going to believe that one of these four men, man number two, took his buddy to Jesus because he was intentional. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we wait for opportunities to come to us. Can we take initiative to go love on somebody even if they don't come to us? I have a feeling that this paralyzed man, he didn't ask his four friends to take, take me to Jesus. I really believe they were intentional. They took initiative to take their buddy to Jesus. And sometimes you and I, we need to do the same. We need to take initiative to take people to Jesus. And, and, you know, don't expect everybody to come to us. Sometimes we just need to, uh, to be intentional about our actions. So once again, um, let me give you an example. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from my mom. And my mom lives in an assisted living uh, uh, center here in San Antonio, uh, assisted living. And she called me. She says, oh, and after we talked, she says, I got to tell you, uh, there was a lady from the church named Christine 
Gutierrez who came by and she just loved on me. She says, Randy, I just enjoyed our time together. I, 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 she was just, my mom was on cloud nine and, and it made me feel good. And, and I want to thank, you know, uh, Richie and Christine for, for doing that. And the reason I tell you that story is because I did not ask Christine to go visit my mom. I didn't. She took the initiative to do that. She was intentional about loving others. You know what I'm talking about? Now, it's one thing if somebody asks you to go do this or go do that, but sometimes we just need to be intentional about it and say, you know what? I'm going to find somebody to love today. I'm just going to love on them in the name of Jesus, right? That's what, what the intent, being intentional is all about. And, and I praise the Lord for that. Why do we as a church um, go once a month to the Wheatley Courts out uh, on the east side and give out clothes and food and and, and just, you know, love on people over there. It's because we're being intentional. We plan to do something uh, for the kingdom of God, and we're going to go out and do it. Why do we, as a team, uh, about two hours a month, you know, on, on a Saturday, go out and, and go through the neighborhood around Fortress Church and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus? And I praise God for those of you who do it, Brother Richie and Christine and, and Reggie and some others. Why do we do that? Uh, you know, because... We are being intentional about loving people in our community. I mean, do we have two hours a month that we can do to be intentional about it? I believe we do. You know, yes, we live busy lives, but can we, can we just spend two hours a month in loving people, being intentional about it, putting it on our calendar? I'm going to go, I'm going to do this outreach, I'm going to love on people. That's being intentional. And I praise God for the privilege that we can, we can have to do that. Now, why is that so important? Let me give you something that we studied back a few years ago when we did the Talmudim lessons. Talmudim is a Hebrew word that means disciples of Jesus. But one of the things Jesus implemented is found to be true in so many studies of higher learning. Let me show it to you. It's called average retention rates. And what this is, is this teaches, according to experts, this has been proven true, that how we retain information is very important in how we receive it. For example, at the top, if you hear a lecture, then you're going to probably retain 5% of that lecture and, because it's a verbal thing. Okay? Secondly, when you do reading, if you read something, then chances are you're going to retain about 10% of what you read. Okay, And then... Audiovisual, 20%. If you see something, that's what come today. So many people are watching videos on YouTube and there's other things to learn this. How do you do that? How, you know, there's times I, I pull up a YouTube video to learn how to, uh, how to do something around the house. You know, many of you do that? Okay, because you see it, you can learn from that. That's audiovisual. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> when we teach here at Fortress Church, some of you may ask, Pastor Randy, why, you, when you preach, do you have us take notes? Why do you put sermon notes in the bulletin? Because when you write it down, when you read it, when you write down those notes that are in your bulletin from what I'm speaking, it helps you retain the information. You can retain twice as much information if you do that. And now, why do you create slides behind me? Because it elevates your ability to retain the information, okay? So thank you, note-takers. Those of you who are note-takers uh, from there, from your bulletin, you know what? You're saying, I want to retain this information. I want to learn. I want to grow. And so why do we do all this? 
because I want you to learn in, in a great way. Now, then, then there's demonstration. If I show you how to do something, you know, it, it's important. And then uh, we have 50% group discussion. You know what that means? When we get together in a small group, you learn a whole lot better. It elevates your ability to retain that information. So those of you who are in a small group, a connect group, you wouldn't hear Fortress Church or elsewhere, uh, maybe with Chi Alpha or other places, you know what? You are taking the initiative to learn more because in a group discussion, you retain a whole lot more. And then look at 75% practice. What does that mean? When you put something into practice, there's a 75% chance that you're going to retain that information. For example, I'm telling you today, love people. And you may be sitting here and say, amen, Pastor Randy, we need to love people. But when you go out and do it, guess what? You have a 75% of retaining that message. You see, it's one thing to sit here and listen to a lecture, but it's another thing to go out and do it. Okay? If uh, I know how to play the guitar a little bit, and, and in the past I've taught a few people how to play the guitar, and it would be one thing for me to sit and say, okay, here's the key, uh, the chord G, here's D, this is how you do it. And if this person is watching me, okay, yeah, I see that. That's a lecture. But you know how they're really going to learn? When they practice. Does that make sense? If they get a guitar and start, okay, this is how you play this chord. And this is how you play this chord. It elevates their ability to learn at a much higher rate. Are you getting what I'm saying here, okay? When you put things into practice. Somebody say practice. (laughs) So today, I'm challenging you to love people. But I want you to be intentional about it. Put this message into practice. Now, at the bottom, it says 90%. When you begin to teach others, yeah, that really elevates your ability to, uh, uh, to retain information and learn that information, but it's, it's so important for us. How many of you are uh, ready to take your learning to a higher level? Amen? This is what this is all about. So here's a to-another-level lesson. The opportunities to love people are immense. It's time for God's people to step up. Do I hear an amen? Man number three. Once again, I'm speculating the different perspectives that these four men have. Perhaps he loved others by being led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. There are times that the Spirit says, go minister to this person. There are times the Holy Spirit prompts your heart to say, man, this person is hurting. I need to share my faith. There are certain times that something's in your spirit and you're wondering, I wonder if God is telling me to share my testimony with this particular individual. Well, if that's happening, that's the Holy Spirit speaking in you and through you. You are being led by the Holy Spirit to do something, and that's so important. And this is is so important for us because as we talk about loving others, I've got to say that it all stems from loving God. Remember, loving God, loving others. And if you first and foremost get this principle about loving God, if you fall in love with God, then you're gonna, it's going to make your loving others so much easier. The problem with so many people in this world, they hate each other, they're at each other's neck, they fight. and they, they, Why? Because they fail to love God. But I'm telling you here, the premise, the foundation is loving God. And then we can love others at a higher level. Galatians 5.22 speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. And the first few words, without listing the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first one is what? Love. 
There is a direct correlation between being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and showing love. Are you getting the picture here? The very first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you, if you love God, if you're filled with the Spirit, then it's going to show forth in the way you love people. You're not going to ridicule people. You're not going to say bad things against people. When somebody's cruel to you, you're not going to respond with the same cruelty. You're going to love them. And if you do so, that means you have the Spirit of God in you. As we grow in our spiritual life, there are many lessons we need to learn. We learn about making wise choices. We learn about leading people to Christ. We learn about the importance of small groups and church attendance. We learn about being led by the Spirit. We learn about loving people. And I'm here to say there is a direct correlation between being led by the Holy Spirit and loving people. I believe in the natural it's difficult for us to love people because if somebody's bad-mouthing you, what is our natural reaction? Man, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Wouldn't it be better to give that person a piece of your heart rather than a piece of your mind? But in the natural, we want to respond. What, do you realize what she's, do you realize the way she is? And we, you, you know what he said about me? And that's our natural response. They're ugly to us. We want to be ugly back to them. Come on, let's get it on, okay? That's just the way, it, that's our nature, huh? That's just the way it is. Loving people is a reflection of spiritual maturity. I'll say this again. Loving people is a, is a sign of spiritual maturity. Now, another sign of spiritual maturity is even when we give. Because when we love people, that's, that's giving out of our spirit. And I want to challenge you to continue to give uh, from the resources that God has blessed you with as well. It's all about others. When you tithe, when you give, it's all about blessing the kingdom of God. You know what you do when you tithe and when you give? You are being unselfish. Someone who says, okay, I have all this money that God has blessed me with, and I'm not giving it to anybody. I'm not giving to God. I'm not giving to the kingdom of God. I'm not giving to, I'm giving, that's being selfish, okay? So we've got to be unselfish. Many of you know we're in the 90-day tithing challenge that we've instituted a few weeks ago that uh, we are giving and as, as we give, then if we're, as we're challenged to give, those of you who sign up for the 90-day tithing challenge, if after these 90 days you believe that God has not blessed you, then you can, we'll give your money back. Not a problem, okay? So we're talking about the 90-day tithing challenge, and, and uh, there's a few testimonies that have come in. Let me share another one with you today. This is from Sandy Desk, and she says, I have to admit that in my younger and immature years, I gave God what I could afford and what fit my life and pocketbook. It wasn't until I took your membership class that I truly understood what God asked of us. Years ago, when the adoption firm embezzled our life savings, we couldn't do anything but trust in God. Not just for a child, but for the finances we no longer had. We never stopped tithing even though it would have been easy for us to put our tithing money towards adopting elsewhere. As Steve and I look back, we are in awe of how God provided for us financially, and of course, he also provided a child for us free of charge. Our faithfulness in tithing is nothing compared to the faithfulness he has shown us. He has blessed us over and over again. Thank you, Sandy, for the testimony. God is good, and God is faithful to those who who give, all right? So once again, we it's a sign of spiritual maturity when we are led by the Spirit. 
I believe one of these, these men were being led by the Spirit to bring their buddy, their paralyzed friend, to Jesus. Okay, man number four. I believed he loved others by holding on. What do I mean by holding on? I want you to picture what's happening here. Paralyzed man on a mat, on a stretcher. They take him up. Somehow they get him to the roof of this house. And then they start creating a hole on the roof of the house. And they have some sort of rope system where these four men are going to lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus. Okay, If we were here uh, having church and all of a sudden you hear, you hear some, some drilling or some things going on, it would very, be very distracting, right? And can you imagine if, if a man were to be lowered down on a mat like this, how many of you know that would be very distracting here, okay? And, and that, I can imagine what Jesus was going through. Did Jesus get upset that someone was interrupting his sermon? no. No, he said, you know what, there's, there's someone who has a need here. And the man, the paralyzed man was lowered here. And I say man number four, he loved others by holding on because he could have given up. But he was holding on to the rope. He was holding on. All four men were holding on to the rope. Holding on. Holding on. Lowering their paralyzed buddy down to Jesus. And they, they you know, once again, why is this so important? It's because sometimes we love people and they don't, respond back. I'm going to tell you this right now. Not everybody responds in a positive way when you love people. There's times you love on them, you speak words of life, and they're still, they're still crying, you know, get back at you. And there's times you walk away, man, I'm not loving you anymore. We walk away. What have we just done? We've just given up on this person. What I'm saying is we need to hold on and not give up on those people. We need to hold on and love on them despite what they may be doing or how they may be living, we've got to hold on. Hold on, because what are we doing? We're bringing them to Jesus. Because how do we do that? Because in the natural, we say, later for you, you've done this, you've said this, I responded with love, and look at the way you treat me. Later for you, we walk away. But if we understand the fullness of God's love, then we can understand how we can love others. That's, that's our topic this week on our Digging Deeper Notes. Every week we have Digging Deeper Notes this week. It's called The Fullness of God's Love. This is for any Connect groups or personal Bible study. Those notes are available at the Connection Hub. We do this because it flows with the sermon. But if you understand the fullness of how God loves you, the fullness of God's love, this study is taken from Ephesians 3, then you will understand how we can love others at, at, a, at a deeper level. So, once again, we've got to understand the depth of God's love. Perhaps I can put it to you this way. The more you fall in love with God, the more you will love others, the more love you will have for others. As we close this message today, I want to go back to our story, of course, in Mark chapter 2. And we see this. The four men, they go to the roof of this home. They cut a hole in this roof and lower their paralyzed buddy down to Jesus. Here's the good news. I have a feeling they were there because they knew their, their paralyzed buddy needed healing for his body. But what did Jesus see? As Jesus saw this, this paralyzed man being lowered from the roof down to the floor, Jesus saw deeper. I mean, no, Jesus looks at things differently. Jesus saw this man's heart. And they, everybody expected Jesus to do physical healing. What did Jesus do? He did spiritual healing. What did Jesus say? We read about it in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. He says, 
My son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And that's the premise. That's the foundation of eternal life with Christ Jesus, when our sins can be forgiven. When our sins can be forgiven. How many of you have had your sins forgiven? Amen. We know that the only way our sins can be forgiven is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So this man whose sins were forgiven, the only way his sins would be forgiven is through when he had faith in Jesus. I could imagine this, this paralyzed man had faith in Jesus. Now Jesus knows our hearts. I can't look at each one of you and say, oh, you're saved, you're not saved. You're a believer, you're not a believer. No, I don't have that ability. I'm human. But Jesus does. Jesus knows whether you have the right heart. Jesus knows whether you're sitting right here in church and if your life were come to end, whether you'd go to heaven or hell. Jesus knows. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to love you because I want you to go to heaven. I want you to experience eternal life. But Jesus looked into the heart of this paralyzed man and he says, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine that? These four buddies, they love their friends so much their paralyzed friends so much that they brought him to Jesus, expecting Jesus to heal him physically. But instead, I believe that was the beginning of this paralyzed man's eternal life in heaven. Wow. Can you imagine what God can do to the people that you show love to?